this is Ink Studs. This is the inaugural inaugural uh, book club edition. Um, we, today we're going to be discussing Isle of 100,000 Graves by the Norwegian master um, Jason as well. Written the first time Jason's books have been written by someone else. I didn't even get his first name written down. There it is. Fabian Velman. I don't know. Uh, why don't we start out with everyone just kind of introduce themselves, uh, first name, last name, and where you're located. Brandon? Oh, I'm uh, Brandon Graham. I am down the hall from you. I'm uh, in Vancouver. <laughs> uh, Steve? I'm Steve Rolston. I'm in downtown Vancouver. Um, Nolan? Uh, Nolan T. Jones in Las Vegas, Nevada. Mikey? Uh, Michael DeForge, I'm in Toronto. And we got here a uh, Chris. Yeah, I'm Chris Green. I'm in Fairbanks, Alaska, and I'm, I don't know if it's breaking the rules, my friend Andrew Paris here. Hey, I'm Andrew Paris. We're also in Fairbanks, Alaska. We're in the same room, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And last but not least, uh, Ronan. Hi, it's Roman. Oh, Roman, like sorry. Roman He's yeah. making more of this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in San Francisco. Okay. Mm. All right. Um, so I'll we'll start with really simple. Uh, what did you guys think of the book? Um, who wants to go first? I, I can jump in. I, it's Brandon. I uh, I was. I think the thing we talked this morning at the donut place is I was a little bit disappointed by. I kind of expect a lot from a Jason book, and. Uh, and maybe it's that I knew that there was a writer involved, is I just didn't get kind of the the emotional depth that I normally that I normally expect in his work in that one. Seemed like kind of Jason for kids or something. Chris, what did you think? Of the com um I, I I definitely find myself like because there's a different author, I automatically like I really like it when it's a solo work. I feel like it's it's you're getting one person's kind of it's a filter of one person's mind, the whole thing coming through one mind to the world. And when you don't have that, I, I, I like I play tricks with my own mind, like wanting it to all be him. And then when it's not, I like want to credit it to him, and like I kind of confuse myself. But I, I did, I did enjoy the overall work. There are a lot of kind of interesting things. I just finished reading that um, how to read Nancy thing, and I think that applied in a lot of ways to Jason's um, drawing style and, and how he lays out and finishes up individual pages. There's some interesting stuff there. Okay. Yeah. Maybe we'll jump into a bit of that layout discussion um, in a little bit. That'd be good, good fodder. Uh, Roman, what did you think of it? Well, I liked it quite a bit. Um, Jason is one of my favorite cartoonists uh, of all times, and it's definitely not my favorite of his books, but it was also interesting to see him outside his comfort zone and do something slightly different. But, uh, yeah, I do agree with Brandon. It's um, not quite as such as the other ones. But, uh, yeah, and it does seem more like a children's book in a way, even though humor is pretty dark, but it's different. Andrew, what did you think? Well, it's kind of weird when you go and any time I see a Jason book, I just get really excited, so I have really high expectations. Yeah, and then when you see the, the author... <laughs> Confused, I was like, "What? What? He did? He did? He did work to somebody else?" And um, 
Well, I mean, like, it's enjoyable, but it feels, like, a little bit shallower than this other stuff. It's kind of more lighthearted. It's more focused on just, like, this weird little adventure as opposed to, like, the emotion, like, the problems these people have. It's still... It's still good. It's still... I still recommend it. Uh, Michael, what did you, what what were your thoughts? Uh, for some reason, like I always have, uh, like I, I I never read Jason books that regularly, and I it's probably unfairly like never expect to be that stoked on them. So I was actually like I, I'm all, whenever I read one, I'm like reminded like oh yeah I really like Jason. So I came in with like low expectations and then was like oh great like I enjoy this thing. So yeah, I was on board with it. It it did, uh, it did like seem like it was missing something from the other Jason books I've read. But for some reason, I always just like don't think of him as a cartoonist I enjoy until I actually read him. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, Nolan, I thought. It, I mean, first off, this is my first exposure to Jason. Uh, so coming out right there, uh, this was. I thought it was. It worked very well as a black comedy. It played with a lot of interesting ideas, and I liked the things that it kind of left hanging throughout. And I liked the way it played with expectations as well. You, you kind of get that feeling that she's going to go to this island and find something with Dad. And when they have that scene where they're all there and uh, everyone's claiming to be her dad, just the, the things they set up, the bait and switch they do there, it, it was really clever. It was very well done, and the, the art's just fantastic the three by three panels, the way that they the things that are done here with colors. I could I have reread this three times since I got it yesterday. I love it. Yeah those colors are amazing on that. Rolston, we haven't heard from you. Uh I mean I'm a big fan of uh a lot of his other books, so I went in with high expectations. So I was a little disappointed. Just because like everyone <laughs> else says it's not doesn't quite have that that uh that same cleverness as some of his other books and um yeah, it's it's a little little light on the emotional impact, or uh, yeah, it just doesn't seem to have that the same zing um, as like some of his other books, like I Killed Adolf Hitler or The Left Bank Gang. Mm-hmm. I thought they were a lot more was it, more heart, maybe. I'm not sure what it is exactly. There's nothing necessarily wrong with the story in here. It just didn't jump to that the uh, higher level as some of his other work. That he missing, missing a little uh, Jason Sequois. Yes. That Sorry. Is good. <laughs> it, it, it's interesting. Um, all of you who have read Jason before kind of have similar feelings. And Nolan, you really dug it. Um, <laughs> what's wrong with you? Uh, <laughs> uh, what is it? This may be a bigger question, but we're looking at this work and we're identifying the importance of the cartoonist and the creation of this. What do you think it is that having another writer is taken away from Jason? I think he uh, still I think he still uses Jason's formula because Jason has like a like a perfect one page every page is like a great story and he uses that like fine but it's the overall narrative perhaps that's like a little bit lacking. Yeah, it feels like imitation Jason. Like he decided, like I'm gonna write a Jason story, or, or like, yeah, but it's yeah. good. Like it's it looks really well suited for him, and all the setups and like the there's like that tone, that deadpan tone that works pretty well with like what Jason has done before. But 
it still feels like it's someone else writing for Jason and not, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, it felt like kind of a, a lack of follow through on a lot of things. Like I, in his other books, I always have this idea, like I get a lot more than I expect out of the out of the stories. And in this one, there was things like, like the uh, the character with the eye patch who kind of leads her around. How she has this secret she's hanging over his head, and I feel like if Jason was writing this himself, you would learn what the secret was, and he just kind of left it hanging. Yeah. So it, it's not the norm for him to leave these many things because I thought that was kind of one of the brilliant things about it was that they they kept introducing ideas and leaving them hanging in a way that was I thought really interesting. I mean that that final even the the question as to whether or not the dad can be forgiven, and we just leave it. I I thought that was really clever. Yeah, I did like the end a lot actually. Yeah, the last page. Go ahead, Roman. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I said the the last page was really great. Um, the final sequence as it zooms out out of the um, two or three page um, sequence that pretty much stays with the same focus and it just left, leaves hanging and this Jason style works so perfectly with it. The ending there, oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Um, there's an ending there, the second to last panel where they're looking, you're outside the window looking through it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that seems to perhaps answer that question. Maybe it's, you know, trying to look at it too much like with a uh, snooty literary kind of hat, I guess. But, I mean, it has the bar separating her from the two men that are there, her father and him. It makes me wonder, is I this like, like is it purposeful? Is it trying to say that she now has this kind of like, you know, daddy men issue that she's not going to have, it's not going to work with her new companion even? Like, I'm not sure if it's that intentional, but it seems like it could be. Big black bars. I mean, it's very, very obviously separating her visually from the rest of them. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I thought it was weird <laughs> that they dressed, cool. <laughs> they dressed Tobias up like a, you know, like a fancy pirate costume, and she shows up and they're like, we're rich now, all our problems are solved. <laughs> it's kind of simple. She says that he's good at hurting people. you got to look the part. He's got to look the part, yeah. <laughs> Nolan, you had something to go in there, I think. Oh, I just as far as the whole unexplained uh, issue with it, I, I think the whole concept even is just so interesting in the fact that you know we've got this island of people being trained to to kill, but you know where do they go and what do they do and where is any other employment? We got this school for executioners and no follow up on it, and I just. It's a great black comedy. They they don't supply answers, but they make a lot of really great questions. Yeah, it makes you wonder like what happens. Like now, there's all these like trained executioners with nowhere to go afterwards. <laughs> why, why is there an executioner school? Why? So they know their school. Uh, this might this might be off. This might break all of your rules, Robin. But I just noticed the father. His eyeballs remind me a lot of of Michael. You know, Michael DeForge's. Uh, uh, <laughs> You might have heard of him. He, his, uh, his, his deer comic I just read, and the deer okay. have these like circle eyes in it, and it's just like the way the father's eyes are drawn here. Do you think? Like, like that, thanks for getting that plug in. Yeah. <laughs> if you like Jason, deer. <laughs> um, do you think it's like a certain like um, weariness or tiredness to the character that he's adding with that? A lot. I think it just. It makes it more deadpan if you don't have the pupils, or like, like it, it, it's funnier, or it's a different type of humor when they all have that kind of blank expression. Well, it's not just with with the father character. It's not just the blank expression. Is as Brendan was saying, there's a, a thicker black ring right. to right. accentuate he's, he's the eye. Some stuff. 
Well, there's a couple there's a couple character traits on his characters here that I've never seen in a Jason comic before. People just have like slightly different features because they almost always have the exact same features. And there's like one new hairstyle here, like one new line on somebody's face. So I was like, well, it's slightly different. I don't know. Maybe those bigger black eyes are like one of those features that just show he's more tired, he's older, and. Right. Something that struck me in this thing a lot is, you know, they keep talking about how um, how Gwenny is, is like a weird-looking girl, and I realize that, it, that his art style, the only way to tell if someone's attractive or ugly is if they tell you it a lot. Right. Because everyone kind of looks yeah. the same. Yeah. That, that's a question right there, is how do you think um, his art style worked on this as far as conveying the characters? Was it too subtle? Was it strong enough? Like differentiating them or what? Just developing the characters with their identities. Mm -hmm. I that worked. The one thing that 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 I wish he'd put in is, um, you know, the uh, the main kind of little boy character Tobias, he, when he's in his his assassin's costume, he has the hood with the eye patch over him, and then he takes it off. I kind of wish that he'd done that kind of dog patch over the eye to to kind of keep that uh, consistent. <laughs> well, how about the fact that Tobias has the eye patch and the uh, pirate with the secret also has the eye patch? Ah, who does she trust? <laughs> One eye. <laughs> what? I mean, th there. It feels like that's purposeful. Why do you think it would have been purposeful? Went over my head. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I wonder if it's the kind of thing where afterwards they were, you know, Jason was just like, "Oh, weird." <laughs> <laughs> oh, look what I did. Subconscious speaks. Yeah. <laughs> no one kind of oh. feels that was or has any insight to that. Well, the, but then he takes his hood off and he's not one-eyed anymore. He just looks like her with with a black face. Well, I think that patch is because he wasn't taking good care of his hood, and uh, that's just a way to make him stand out uh, amongst his boarding school friends who are much better students. Yeah, this pirate wasn't taking care of his eyes, so, uh... <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Maybe he was scratching his eye and torn off. I don't know. I think <laughs> some sort of accident of a violent nature. He was just clumsy, probably. Well, one thing Jason does a lot is just kind of visual rhyming, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. Just that kind of echoing of different imagery throughout it. Like, all the time, all over the place. Just how characters are posed, how they how they go from panel to panel, and that might just be another case of that it feels good to him visually. It has that kind of resonance, like, a, you know, poetry would have similar sounding words or certain sounds that reoccur. I don't know. Yeah. Now, Chris, you were talking about the uh, How to Read Nancy, and for folks that don't yeah. know about it, it was a uh, essay put together by uh, Paul Karasik and Mark Newgarden, which is actually being turned into a huge book to be published by Fantagraphics. Um, uh, it's like three... <laughs> it's. I talked to Mark about it at Brooklyn last year, and it sounds amazing and daunting at the same time. What do you think it is? What What specifically were you really tying into with how he structures his panels? Well, I had read the, only the first page of that previously, and I finished it um, this morning. The Nancy thing that is, and first I was thinking just that kind of visual handwriting that just almost. Um, where drawing is more akin to, okay, not so much interpreted, like, okay, I see these pictures and I have to figure it out with this mental process, but more it has a direct response, more akin to reading a word, where you don't, like, W-O-R-D is word, you think word, the concept. So more a more direct path from sign on page to concept in mind, if that makes sense. 
And I think, I mean, Nancy's obviously a more extreme version of that, but it's a, it's a smaller format, so it's possible. Jason seems to me to be an expanded version of that in a way, where there's a certain, like, a line over the eyes means one out of, like, five different things inside. The little curly thing over the head means one out of five things. He's either, like, you know, kind of confused, having an orgasm in some of the old ones. Like, you know, it's a couple certain things. Each of them has a very, like, direct correlation. So for, to interpret it, it's more of a just a direct response in the reader, whether you like it or not. And then that also works, um, and the Nancy thing's also talking about just the construction of the page, the layout of it. And as Andrew was saying earlier, he pointed out that they do have each page, not each page, but most pages, or at least each little section of pages, has usually a kind of a gag at the end of it, has a very kind of clear structure, and often using and the Nancy thing, they break it down into a couple of categories. I can't remember precisely, but the different categories of how the gags are constructed, often with like juxtaposition between different things, circumventing expectations somehow or other. And Jason does a lot of very similar thing. Visual puns, like twice in here they have the zoom out from a smaller, like the single bottle to the river, the lake or ocean full of bottles from mm -hmm. the single grave post to the place full of grave posts. Just that visual pun of, oh, looking at one thing, oh, bam, it's crazy. Like, I don't know. Stuff along that line. What do you guys think of the fact that, I mean, you mentioned the one page thing, and that that's true like you look at a jason page and each page in itself like uh, like really? almost like a web comic type thing where you can read like that one page you can read by itself and how do you think that serves the story overall of like being in such little vignettes that all connect together it definitely makes it kind of more enjoyably dense i was thinking about what you're talking about before about how uh it, it almost is like a he's kind of limited his style in a certain way where it's almost like a haiku where you have yeah. uh, yeah, so nice what's that? I said it's nice that there's like a rhythm to each page and that there's like like a, even if it's not like a punchline punchline there's kind of a punchline to each page it, it, it's a nice way to structure the whole thing I thought um, I haven't heard from you in a while Mr. Rolston on, as far as that, you know, sort of each page being its own little little story, its own little segment, it does kind of add nicely to the uh, the steady beat of his stories. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's kind of like his stories are always kind of monotonous as far as characters' reactions and sort of deadpan humor. I think that actually adds to it by having this sort of steady pacing of, of you know, this one-page chunk, the next one-page one chunk, another one-page chunk. Uh, <laughs> So I think it just kind of adds to the overall vibe of a Jason comic. I can draw a parallel, perhaps, to a Tintin. I just popped open, I think, Explorers on the or Destination Moon, and looking just through that, I thought I remembered this. It has a very similar, each big page, you know, quite densely packed, and at the end of it, there's some subtle gag at the end, like, yeah, Calculus is suddenly like knocked out of his room, or the captain trips over something, or something like that. Is a pretty common way to end a page and transition on. I found it more in European comics that they like have you can almost read the pa pages in like any order because everyone is sort of self-contained. Mhm. Mm yeah, I wonder how it would read if you just switched it up. Yeah, the colors are so tinted in this. It's nice. I read I read I read left bank left banking and I just like open up to random pages and it still works great. Um in Thanks. the in the book there's I would say three main characters. There's the funny-looking girl Gwenny. <laughs> Gwenny. Um, I don't know why I stuck with that. I like that. The funny looking girl. Um, <laughs> Tobias, our uh, patched hood boy, 
and the dude with the secret. <laughs> and it, some of you are into the secret. Some of you think, "What? What's up? Come on, what's the secret?" And so let's talk about the dude with the secret. What, what makes him an interesting character? Was he a good fleshed-out character for very little detail? I think he was my favorite. I. I'd be interested in what everyone thought the secret was. I was totally convinced it was like a sex thing, but I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I, I assumed it was a sex thing. He's secretly a fox star. Hey, now. <laughs> I'll disconnect you for that one. Uh, <laughs> we just feel it's sorry just... for him. He gets used, and then he has, and then he gets abandoned. I thought they definitely added, like, they had an emotional, like, they, they did, like, subtly emotional kind of things to build that a bit. Like, with the, the patch-eyed patch guy, we think there's there's a part where um, once they meet back up with Tobias near the end when he's, Tobias has gone to make the diversion, and he asks, hey, did it work? He starts asking, you know, about his father, and he says, you know, zip it and help us get off this accursed island instead. He's, like, kind of stepping in to try to protect your emotions and things like that. Like, there's a couple subtle things like that, which, I don't know. Yeah. It's, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, they they kind of like half redeem him and half because you know a couple moments earlier he's like, hey, when we're done with this guy, let's kill him. And then <laughs> on the way out, it's like, oh, you know, I I now care about her emotions. We got to not worry about that now. And then he gets left. And it, I think it's great too that his whole interaction is a thing of circumstance. You know, she wasn't he wasn't the first person that Gwen tried to pull that on. Yeah. He yeah, was really... the poor guy that had a secret. <laughs> It makes me care so much less about about the main two characters that they just kind of leave him so casually. <laughs> they, they did give him a stick. <laughs> um, what do you think of the guilt that Gwynny had over it at first when she uh, confronted him about the secret and then they go both have a, their own separate puke. Um, <laughs> and then, But the guilt doesn't stick with her. Oh wait! I totally took well, that as seasickness on her part and and uh, fear on his part. Actually, I I thought it was more her nerves, because I mean it yeah. took a certain you know amount of balls for her to try to pull that pull that off. So I think it was more you know after you you know just mm -hmm. confront some big dude in a bar, maybe afterwards you know you gotta go puke in the corner because your nerves kind of built up during that. That's how I read that. But she's also he's is this crazy woman who's trying to murder her in her sleep. <laughs> <laughs> also, he's holding a bottle in the panel, so maybe that's a clue. He's just drunk. <laughs> Pirate drunk. There we go. Well, yeah, I mean, that would be... Yeah, he's not holding the panel or holding the, the bottle when she talks to him, but afterwards, I guess he gets drunk and, uh, you know does what he needs to do. I think that that, that is an interesting observation, the uh, the bottle. And also, he's got the uh, the X'd out eye, which um, any uh, good student of animation and comics knows that usually means that someone's dead. Um, <laughs> but Jason likes to use that more often, doesn't he? He yeah. uses it for dead people, too. Yeah. Limited symbols, right? Yeah, yeah. totally limited symbols. Um... Gwynny, the the funny looking girl. She was I, I would say for me she was the strongest character in the book. And I kind of feel like I mean the book is about her and not necessarily about anything else. And the and the rest of the things kind of serve to move her story. What do you guys think about that? Well she goes in, you know, just like using these creepy people and then she every people having to help her, other people like 
that she's just trying to accomplish her goal and nobody else really has goals. So yeah. it's all focused on her. She's pushing the the conflict or whatever. I, I think that's where it falls flat for me a little bit. Is it like I think that was kind of the thing that she was supposed to be, but there's just a couple things like her leaving the guy and and her just kind of just the way she acts makes me kind of less emotionally invested in her. Well, well. she's a jerk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's not the most you know endearing of characters, but I think it still works. How do you think she is as a an amalgamation of her parents? Hmm. Interesting. I was thinking that yeah. that would make her incredibly screwed up having those parents. Mm-hmm. Seems like she's becoming incredibly resourceful. I mean, she abandons people. Her father abandoned her. Yeah. Nolan, were you wanted to jump in there? Yeah, it, it, I just yeah, that's a really right on the nose. The abandoning, like she was abandoned, and she's you know a little abusive, like Mama, but. <laughs> there's did you oh go ahead Chris I think did you like by the way with the mama abusive stuff in that my friend pointed out that in that panel where she's raising the the what was it the rolling pin over the bed in the background there's a shadow of Gwenny but the shadow mirrors her position so at first your brain thinks that it's just her shadow yeah really it's Gwenny that's a cool oh, trick that's cool yeah also, I like the sound effect, just dong, when she gets hit with the frying pan. <laughs> Poff and dong. Yeah. Ooh, dong, yeah. <laughs> Do you guys notice yeah. that, that it's Tobias throwing the bottles into the sea? Yeah, I, saw, I read that. I saw that the second time. Do you think it endears him a little more, His uh, how he feels about doing it? Uh Maybe I really like that scene. Like, if that was the only comic, was it, the entirety of the comic was him just dumping bottles in the water, I probably would have enjoyed it. <laughs> a, a lot of Jason comics are silent. Um, how do you feel the script served to this book, or do you think a lot of the strengths are just his character's movements? Mm, I could have used more silent pages, maybe. Because there's only a couple of those. Open up more. Sort of like added to the pacing and like the general readability. Mm -hmm. I kind of felt with that bar scene, it felt a little too dense and didn't really need to be as much happening, or maybe, yeah, it could have been spread out a little more. I don't know. Michael. That might be a good thing. Oh, sorry. Go for it. Michael, were you wanting to jump in? Oh, I didn't have anything okay, to say. Okay, I just saw your thing. I mean, right like, I, I guess as far as the dialogue goes, I thought most of the parts that worked for me were little visual beats or, um, like, visual gags. Like, uh, the parts that I thought were funniest were just, like, <laughs> he's, like, eating a tiny monkey over a fire, or that the parrot's also in bandages. Oh, yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> so, what was the deal with her? Did she actually eat the map, or did she just have multiple copies of the map? But right, I think it was just that like she didn't want them to have a copy to then she'd become expendable or whatever, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think it was just using that as a, a reason. At least that is no explain. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of those. Do you feel I guess that's part of his charm. Oh go ahead, Andrew. Well, I just said I guess that's part of his charm is that it's constantly like 
disappointing you with expectations and then it doesn't get resolved. I'm disappointing you in, with expectations that you think are going to get met, so it's kind of, I find, a, almost a pleasurable surprise when it circumvents that. Yeah, you get used to it and then you start to like it. <laughs> like spousal abuse. Yeah. Brandon. <laughs> I was really I really wanted to know what kind of animal the guy in the purple hood was. Did you guys have any idea? I had that desire. <laughs> how how do you think um I mean Jason using animals, how do you think that serves the purpose of those characters of how they're represented by those Anthropomorphisms. Well, they're not really animals as such. I mean, they're not used like mouse, where they represent different species of man. And I think in one of Jason's interview, he said something that it's uh, basically the way I like to draw them. But there is no distinction between the birds and the dogs and something. They all pretty much belong to the same race, I suppose. Well, I mean, there's there's his definition of the distinction, but there's also, I'm curious, what you guys, as readers, see, <coughs> um, which is just, I guess, a different viewpoint from the outsider, from the insider. I don't know, do you... Uh, I kind of look at it as one of those, and it, you know, this is just me projecting, but one of those, uh, being a cartoonist, you sit there and you're like, I can't make my people look different. So I'm gonna I'm gonna draw animal faces, and obviously he's not at that point now. But it, it I've got to, I don't know. It just feels like one of those things that, that would be the place it starts out. But, uh, my humans they all look boring and they're not fun to draw. But if I if I put some dog ears on this, we got something going on. Also, all the main characters are dogs in this, aren't they? Is yeah, there's only like one bird, right? Yeah, there's a couple birds, but they're not main. And then there's the parrot. <laughs> yeah, which is weird to have that thing where you anthropomorphize people and then you have animals in there too. It's always really bizarre, like a dog man with a dog. <laughs> well, Goofy and Pluto. Yeah. There we go. Um, I was just looking, and yeah, the bird. there's a bird at the beginning, the old guys, they're talking, and I think that's the only bird I see in the book. Which there, I, there's a bird Ed, pirate. Pedro's a bird. Oh, okay. Branded stuff at the end says Polly is happy again, but it's like lost its pet. Yeah, I don't think Polly's very happy. <laughs> <laughs> um, now in the colors near the end of the book, when um, there's the big fight between the uh, the students and the pirates, and it has that red kind of vibrantness. What do you think of his usage there, of using that kind of color. Oh yeah, that was, that was really cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just really impressed on being able to, because I'm, I'm coloring my own stuff right now, and and just seeing that more more diversity in color, I was just like, oh awesome, i got to rip that off. That's kind of the extent <laughs> of my thoughts on it. <laughs> well, it seems like it's really well planned out to like pages to the colorist too, like since, I mean, he he's not his own colorist, right? Yeah, he's got a, a colorist working with him. The, Does the he? Amount oh, of, yeah. 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 The, uh, Hubert's the name of the colorist. The amount of work that must go into planning out the page to then hand over to a colorist to be able to handle it, because the pages themselves each kind of have their own color set up that just works so well. It, I don't know, it's just impressive throughout the, the color work. 
it really flows and you and jumping throughout it it feels so consistent but they do so many different things with it i adore the colors of this book i mean it, i think that's the strongest thing in the book is just how great the color work is from page to page there's i think besides go ahead sorry um, besides setting, like it does a very good job of like differentiating the scenes and the mood of the scenes, yeah. which is awesome. And within those, like in the first, um, like the scene when they're in the pub or whatever, it seems like okay. Let's say on the page where he's asking if she's got the map on him, right? And she says, "No, I ate it. How long ago? A couple of days." Oh well, like it looks like it's almost um, accentuating the gag. Like the first two are darker, third one's lighter. Like punchline, bam, bum, bum, bam. It kind of accentuates the beats, you know. Plus, there's no details. Yeah. And there's a number of places where that happened. Oh yeah, yeah. And there's like detail. nothing to look at there except for the words. Yeah. And characters, pretty much. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I was actually just gonna ask about that because it really um, brings the focus on the discussion and kind of removes them from what's going on around them, right? Yeah. yeah, it's kind of impressive that he pulls out the background and then puts it right back in in the last panel. Yeah, seriously. I don't think I have the nerve to do that. Speaking of nerve, I'm wondering what's with this Fabian Bellman guy having two names. We <laughs> <They> got Jason. <laughs> what kind of pull is that? Yeah, maybe that's why. Maybe that's the problem that we're having with the writing. They needed <laughs> one. They need to share to write it. <laughs> And uh, still on that topic of, of the crediting thing, book. have you noticed how downhill things have gone in his about the author sections? I've got Adolf Hitler right now in front of me. Jason was born in Norway in 1965. Suddenly, he spoke to a cat. Winter filled the room. They could see the ocean. <laughs> the new ones? His books have been translated to language. Now this is in the south of France. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's too big for us now. <laughs> I know. It's like, that's like half... That's my biggest... I love going to the back of the Jason book at the end and be like, yeah, yeah, what about the author? And then I was, what? Never well, assumed that you should know. Also, I assume the, the writer is a woman from the from the drawing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a guy, but... Yeah. <laughs> I could go either way. Either way, they probably like women. Ronan, I haven't heard from you in a while. Or Roman? Oh, me? Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on, on some of the stuff we've been discussing? Um, yeah, I really love colors in all Jason's books, um, here as well. really love uh, the way some of the spot colors are just used over page over page, creating this great balance and rhythm, but every now and then there are tiny deviations and variations on the hue when, um, when the guy gets into quicksand and suddenly gets uh, slightly, just the background gets a tiny bit darker. And it mm -hmm. Really great, and uh, doesn't strike you, but the subtle changes work so well. And yeah, but the overall story, I really love the use of cliches. Uh, well, this is, I guess, <coughs> something in overall. But he never touched upon education and boarding schools and such. And it has a certain kind of Kingsley English uh, feel to it. I really love all these dialogues that go. And all of them feel like a stand-up comedy at times when nothing is happening. I think it's a good contrast to the slapstick that happens every now and then. And it's something new to Jason's work as well. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's actually a pretty good point, the fact that, yeah, Jason, the most of his work, I mean, it's all visual puns, and here he's relying on a writer um, to create that comedy. So do you think that, do you guys think that succeeds? 
Oh, I, I think there's a good balance. I really like to the use of uh, beat panels. I think that that's one of the. I mean, as far as the script pacing goes, especially there's that where the the headmaster is talking about the degradation of their craft, and he looks out the window, and they stand there for a moment, and then there's that. You know, Can I go now? It, it's got a really good pacing to it, and I'd be curious if that was added by Jason or if it was already, you know, beat that well in the script. That was something I was really curious about in terms of the handing over of materials. Who had the brilliance to put in the silence in the in a lot of those places? It does feel like a very Jason type of pacing, that scene. Reminds me of something like in The Last Musketeer, stuff with that, that king or whatever, um, him dealing with his guards. Kind of really echoed those those moments I thought there was one panel in particular I quite liked um, when Gwynny and uh, Tobias first meet and he changes the color I mean they're going down a very gray hallway and then they use that bright green or not bright green but kind of a oh the lightning bolt yeah yeah, yeah I was impressed by that too how do you think that served their relationship it's the foundation huh on the first read through Okay, Chris. Uh, it, it, it's it seems to be like later on when he does all the stuff to save her. Like that's the sole reason for that. Otherwise, you go, why is he doing this? What's his motivation? That's his motivation. That one panel. Mm-hmm. Right. It's he's he's into her. Andrew, I couldn't hear you there. Likes likes weird looking girls, I guess. He's smitten. <laughs> <laughs> Nolan. Well, on the on the first read through, I was kind of curious because you know we're setting this up as a story that this little girl is going to go find family, as to if this wasn't somebody that recognized something or figured out. And it, I didn't take it as the you know I got the hots for you or whatever until later on uh, that it, whatever the recognition was there. But I, I think that's one of the good things about it. Is they they do kind of play on those expectations as far as you know what information we're going to get. Who knows what. You also notice that page uses uh, sweat drops. Yeah, I was looking at that. It's like sweat drops, electricity, and then like the Charlie Brown fizzle. I think that's like smoke coming off the off the electric bolt. <laughs> I think that goes to what you were mentioning earlier, Chris, with the use of like kind of um, comical tropes that work and symbols and stuff, and and that that kind of adds to this comics dialogue like where you know he is working in comics and these are comics and this is what he's doing with the comics um, I don't know if I even made sense yeah, comic, comics. comics 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 um, <laughs> <laughs> would you guys recommend this I, um, oh go ahead I'm just going to go off on um, is it Michael talking about the expectations. Yeah. There's some things about that are really interesting. So Jason in general, but in this book, I mean, that we're talking about just as much as ever, is I mean, he creates a world that you have to suspend all this belief. It makes you you have a very high I don't know suspension of disbelief like threshold or something, right? In order to even read this, you automatically have to. And I think they utilize that in really interesting ways. Um, I had two places marked, but I can remember where they're at here, where um, I guess the first one being that you're initially led to believe that okay there's this model is kind of unbelievable you have the old guys in the beginning saying that you know who would ever put a treasure map in a bottle and I first read that and thought that that, that was kind of like the sort of justification for it you know like it's in a book where someone has a plot hole and they just kind of 
patch it by just kind of acknowledging it, and it's enough for me to be okay. It's still a plot hole, but I acknowledge it. I thought that's what they were doing there. Then later on, we find out that no, she was actually aware of that. So it takes I was willing to suspend my disbelief that she didn't, that she actually believed that ridiculous notion, and that bam, no, she actually didn't believe it. It throws me a curveball. And then that happened later on, which is really cool, I think. And um, let's see with her father. There's the scene, like the more I guess probably the most emotionally high scene, where she's reading the uh, the thingamajigs, the the ship logs, um, whatever they're called, who is on the ships. Mm-hmm. And you have that scene there where she, she reads them, she cries, she asks them to shoot them. It's this big like, oh wow, she's been hurt, her condition is a failure, all this kind of stuff. And then we find out not till the end of the story that what she was crying about was completely different than what we thought at that moment. And I don't know, I, I really like that playing with my expectations and setting me up to be able to believe whatever he wanted me to believe and me doing that willingly and then kind of, bam, smacking me upside the head. But I liked it. What? <laughs> But it makes me question it, reading through again, like her looking at the ship manifest and not seeing him on there, and then her crying, it seems kind of dramatic, because she doesn't know what happened, just, you know, it means that he might not be where she expected him to be, it doesn't mean he, like, lied to her, necessarily. Well, I, I think that makes sense in, like, normal conventional logic, but throughout this thing, she has, like, this almost, like, godly perception, like, her leaving the ship with the guy before the dock, and, like, she's... Like eating the map, all these things which are like she's almost prescient. She like she's it's ridiculous. And if she ha- if that's her character, that she is like ridiculously perceptive, like freaking Sherlock Holmes style. She's Batman. Go- <laughs> Do you think her reason for going to? Oh, you, Michael, you had something. No, I didn't. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Be quiet. Um, Do you think her reason um, changes shifts in the book? for hunting down her dad? Anyone? Bueller? Well, I mean, no. I think it obviously changes by the time she hits the end and is just, like, pissed at him because, you know, she's going to go save him and then, you know, he was down the street. Like, the most compelling part of the book to me was just the, cons- like, just that idea of, like, uh, um, a father leaving the kid with a mentally ill parent, like, as that weird, dark thing behind what is, like, a pretty goofy, conventional story. Uh, I, I could have turned into a rapper. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Nolan, did you want to jump in there? I disagree with the man that's funny from the rapper. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um... So, would you guys uh, recommend this book? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Roman? Yeah, definitely. I think it's a great starting point, too. Um, it's probably one of the most light-hearted of Jason's books. Actually, the last one was pretty light reading, too. That was the werewolves? Yeah, and it had some of that spoken comedy as well. I think one of my favorite pages there was the one where the protagonist is talking to his friend and playing chess talking about staring at women's bottoms on the escalator and something like that. Oh yeah, that one's awesome. I, I don't think I'd, I'd recommend it. I'd, I'd say read all the other Jason books first and then get to this one once you're, you're like, can, can be wooed just by the his art. Rolston? I did have... Oh, go ahead, Chris. I had a, I lent it to a friend yesterday during a lunch break. Um, that isn't a big comic guy. He is just by virtue of me 
you know, pushing them on him, basically. And he loved it. Like, he's read some Jason before, and this one he probably, I think he said it was his favorite, which kind of surprised me, but there you have that. Rolston? And I, yes. I said, oh. Well, we, Wilson's just <laughs> Yeah, go ahead, Steve. Uh, I mean, I would, I would recommend it, but with the disclaimer that his other books are better. <laughs> Andrew, you. I, uh, I didn't like, I didn't like warn them or say anything about it. I just like, oh, I just bought this new Jason comic. I haven't even read it yet. What do you guys think? And uh, I was like, this couple is staying with us, and they tore through it and they loved it. And then I had two other Jason books, and they wanted to read those like immediately afterwards. And I gave them uh, Last Musketeer and Left Banking, and it totally like got them excited and wanted to read more Jason comics. So it, and then I was like, oh, it's good. And then I read it. I was like, oh, yeah, it's great. Mr. DeForge? Uh, I guess. Like, I, I, I guess, like everyone, I'd recommend other Jason books before. Uh, yeah, like, I don't feel very strongly either way about this. But I also don't feel very strongly about... Like, I like Jason, but... Yeah, I don't know. That's a lot of qualifiers. I'd recommend this book. <laughs> <laughs> and and just for myself, I think I kind of fall in with um, with Michael where I respect and read Jason, but I'm not clamoring for more Jason books. Or maybe I yeah. don't... You know? Yeah, that's what I feel like. I'm always, I'm always surprised at how much I enjoy the actual process of reading it, but then I like forget that I... Like when I see a new Jason book on the shelf, for some reason, I don't know what it is, but for some reason I'm never like, awesome. I'm always, yeah, I'm always surprised at just how much I enjoy it, and I'm like, oh right, this this is cool. But, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's yeah. probably where I'm at too. I always just borrow them from Rolston. <laughs> See, I always I get a little excited when this one out. I have, I have that sort of, you know, that's like giddiness when I hear there's a new Jason book. You, you keep that giddiness. It's keeping me and Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Oh well, thank you guys all so much for uh, joining in this today. Uh, does anyone have any last comments? Or thanks, man. I've been pumped about this all week. This awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, this yeah. was this was really cool and appreciate. I mean, it, I, the reason I listen to Ink Studs is to kind of expand the taste, and find some new things. So this was a re resounding success. So oh, thanks so much, Nolan. Yay! Yay! And like I may have mentioned before. Um, the next book we're going to do is Ronin by Frank Miller. Uh, nice. <laughs> uh, and we'll probably be doing that in about two weeks. I really I want us to be not like every week type thing because it's just too much to take on um, with everything else. But I think in about two, probably two weeks, the two weeks today, the Saturday, um, we'll talk about Ronin. And the long term with this... Um, because I, I really enjoyed this day and I really appreciate you guys coming on, is to do modern graphic novels, comics, old, whatever. And also, uh, I was talking to Brandon earlier, but also talking about some new alternative floppies, like talk about new stuff from Sparkplug, say a new Noah Van Skyver comic, um, just to kind of really get the idea of the breadth of comics out there. Because there is a lot of comics to talk about and it's important not just to focus on one tie. Like, we're not always going to talk about European guys. Um, you know, I'd be happy to talk about the latest King Cat mini or something like that, so. As long as there's lines on papers, maybe. <laughs> what if there's circles? That's Ooh. pushing it too far. Whoa. <laughs> Give it some time. Give it some time. We'll work our way to the circles. So thank you all so much, guys. <laughs>